0: They all need to cut, cut the, the crap. crap. Now, here's your host, Joe von Hutton-Pulitzer.
1: Hey folks, welcome to Cut the Crap. Jovan Hutton-Pulitzer here. Of course, C.R.A.P. is an acronym. It stands for Culture, Race, Race. In American politics. I want you to think about food for a moment. Now I know many of you just went through the holidays and your stomach is stuffed, right? We're abundant in our country having food, but have you ever thought about what would happen if something happened to our national food supply? Is it something that just kind of happens naturally throughout time because it's happened in history before? Or are we getting to the point that mankind with technology is tinkering too much. It's kind of like this controversy over beyond meat. Many think we're going to start eating synthetic meats or we're going to start eating bugs and crickets if this world continues to go towards this new world order of things. And so to help you understand well just how good we have it and well how precarious food supply can be I want to talk to you about What happens when mankind begins to tinker with the process to try to make performance and output better? But first, look, let's go back in time. Many of you listening to this program in the United States, you probably have some Irish ancestry in you. I do. My family was affected by something that happened in the 19th century, something that Um, by 1851, had claimed over one million Irish lives. That's one-eighth of the population had died from starvation and the disease that comes with it. I'm talking about the Great Potato Famine, otherwise known as the Great Famine. I want to set a few things up for you because I think it's very important to think about our food, our food supply, and what we have when our governments now seem like they want to control every aspect of our lives. We can look at any government job. Just look at them fixing a pothole in a highway. You might find one or two illegal workers filling the pothole and anywhere from 6 to 10 to 20 other supervisors standing around getting paid for just showing up. The government has never been very effective at running projects or managing projects or even taking care of its people, especially food wise. If you don't believe me, ask any Native American who relies on the government doled out supplies for their food. So, as we go back into the earliest 19th century, we learned that there are times when there can be total crop failures. In Ireland, and much of Northern Europe at the time, had some smaller blights in the decades leading up to the Great Famine, and people dealt with it. But, in Ireland, it was entirely attacking their main food supply. Have you ever thought about that? What if your main food supply, what most people consumed, all of a sudden one day was just toxic and poisonous? Would you survive? Well, a million Irish souls did not survive. See, the Irish soil does wonderful in growing potatoes. But at that time, Ireland became very vulnerable because... They heavily depended on one type of potato, which I guess was the Irish favorite. It was called an Irish lumper. What happened was this crop was infected by a blight, something that happened naturally. Now, remember, potatoes have been around uh, for 7,000 years. They come from Peru and Bolivia had made all of their way through South America up into the Americas. They're slow to spoil. Uh, They have three times the calorie value of grain. They're cheap, easy to grow on farms, and last a while. So when this durable crop, this staple crop, got hit by blight, a fungus, it killed one million people, and at the same time, the pathogen that killed one million people by devastating the crops, therefore the people starved, it triggered a mass immigration of folks. In fact, one branch of my family came over due to this specific food catastrophe. See, at the time, the tenant farmers, they were just struggling to grow enough food to feed their families on plots of land about as small as one acre. And they turned to what could they produce the most of, even in some of the worst soil that they had, and that happened to be potatoes. Soon, because of their workloads and trying to be productive in a society that was heavily controlled, well, they were eating anywhere from 40 to 60 potatoes a day. It was also... You have to remember, it wasn't just for human consumption. Ireland primarily exported uh, its potatoes to its British overlords who, (laughs) well, fed them to cattle, believe it or not. A third of all potatoes at the time were used to feed cattle. So when this failed, a million people died. Now, do you think that we Would survive something as catastrophic as that. See, in 1851, a million Irish died. And then the immigration from the country, by 1855, two million people had fled. Today, it's like 150 years later. And Ireland has still not recovered. the prosperity or level of people that it was at its pre-famine level. And that's why I want to look at this closely, because as we head into the future, you hear many talking about the global goal of reducing the impact of meat, ranching, pigs, chickens, cattle and the consumption of easier-to-grow crops, all in the name of reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But in reducing greenhouse gas emissions, since this has now become almost cult-like, are we headed for even a bigger problem with food, a potential disaster waiting on the horizon, that could wipe out many more fold than the great Irish potato famine. This could happen. It's on the horizon. And in the next segment, I'm going to talk to you about something that's going on in China that you need to know about because it's brought on about this cheered climate change campaigners. I think they're not looking at the long-term effects of what it could do to humans. And I think there's a disaster in the making. Hang tight. I'll be right back right after this.
0: See, I told you learning how to tell the world to cut the crap would make you feel great. There's more to come. Jovan will be right back.
1: So let's talk about diversity. No, not in the way that they've been shoving it down our throats from woke corporations. Let's talk diversity in our food supply. Anytime you have healthy diversity in foods, the population is healthier and more secure. It's just like running a business. If you have 100 clients... And as business goes up and down, it balances between those of your clients who are having better years versus the ones having lesser years. However, if you have only two clients and one goes down, you've potentially lost 50% of your business. Or if your business is built primarily servicing one client and that business, say, accounts for 80% of your business and revenue, and that client goes down, well, you're going down with it. I want you to understand this into the context of what globalist and climate campaigners are trying to do when it comes to the food supply. They're trying to get um, meat reduced. They're saying that meat is what... Is both contributing significantly to greenhouse gases, and what is um, warming our environment. Now, I'm 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 not a climate denier. I actually think we have climate. I can see it every day. But I think there's cycles for the Earth. And I saw something the other day talking about. Uh, we're at a certain level that hasn't been seen uh, since the 1500s in uh, like Switzerland. And I go, well, okay, if it, we're at the, fifth, the level it was at the 1500s in Switzerland, then that means before that it was less. When you look at time, our environment goes up and down, our quote unquote greenhouse gases go up and down. But I believe a lot of this climate issue is just to control people, population, and taxation. Now, part of this wokeism that hurts every bit of us is this new plan by China. They say that they're going to cut meat consumption by 50%. Now, when China made this commitment, it was about six years ago. They said, We're going to cut our meat production, because all of this greenhouse gases. And so China got accolades from around the globe. And at that time, um, some of the numbers that people were talking about was if they can uh, get 50% of their population or 100% of the population to reduce their meat consumption by 50%, then a nation that big as China with billions of billions of people, right, would actually make a dent in this greenhouse gas effects. Well, China went through with it. It actually didn't have any effects. But here are the here are the numbers they were touting at the time. They were touting at the time that China in China in China that the over consumption of meat per person is actually what is greatly adding to our climate nightmare. Now, I would say it's their manufacturing and toxic chemicals has more effect than what people eat. But back at the time, Hollywood was trumpeting this, Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Cameron, etc., etc. And they were saying that, look, by 2030, we will, our livestock will have produced 1.8 billion tons less in greenhouse or carbon dioxide equivalent emissions from our livestock in industry. Of course, has it made any difference? No. See, back at the time, they were saying that 14.5% of the planet warming emissions emanate from keeping and eating cows, chickens, pigs, and other animals. I kind of think it's funny because there's more wild animals in the world than there are domestic animals. But they got to they got to pin it on man so they can tax man. Right. And again, they were still touting then that, well, livestock emits methane and it's a potent greenhouse gas. Yes, folks. Methane cow farts, pig farts, chicken farts. And uh, you use all this fertilizer for growing and those release a large amount of carbon. Well, so do decaying leaves. And so this was when, um, at a time in China, they moved, right? They moved from where meat in this time. Now, it's ironic. They were going to reduce meat. But what had actually happened during this time is what they called the millionaire's meat at the time was beef because very few people could get beef. And so what China did is they actually ramped up pig Pork consumption during this time, when they felt like they would decrease, just I think because of the activity of saying we need to decrease it, people panicked, and people actually ended up eating more. They didn't eat less; they ate more. And it's all about instead of doing it from an educational process, they did it in a force process, and I think. Forcing people to do things as a government mandate actually causes people to go the opposite direction. I don't know if it's just human will or human nature, but there is a retaliation for it. Now, I already agree, compared to my childhood, most people are eating a lot better. Aren't you eating a lot better than you... Uh, did, meaning from a health standpoint, meaning less fats, less sugars, right? Less fried foods. I think we're all kind of doing it naturally because that's what the world is actually helping us tend to a little better than we did versus the time in the 70s when everybody went nuts and started consuming fast foods and TV dinners. It all kind of balances out itself. Now, my only reason I bring this up is because China is going at it again. Not only are they buying farms all throughout the United States and Australia, their consumption needs have gone even higher. Now, we all know that China is pretty technology advanced. What if I told you in China that they're building a skyscraper of pigs. You, you heard me right. They are building a skyscraper of pigs. Not out of pigs, but specifically for pigs. Now, once again, it's in the name of more humane, more economical, better for the environment. We're not tearing up the ground. So they decided to go 20 Six stories in the air with a pig skyscraper which will output one million animals a year to slaughter i want to talk about this advancement and
0: see if they're going forward or backward are you following jovan on all social media you think this program is good at empowering you you should get your phd in cutting the crap by following jovan daily on all social media Just find him by typing hashtag Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Hang tight. Jovan will be right back.
1: Guys, I want to have a very serious discussion with you about your home, your family, and your finances.
0: Because politicians are deathly afraid of Jovan, his reach, his fans, and his calling him out publicly and telling them to cut the crap. They know Jovan empowers the people, and corrupt politicians do not want the people knowing the truth. Now, let's get back to it. Okay, we're back. Now,
1: in segment one of the program today, I talked about the Irish potato famine. And it's because of the Irish focusing on potatoes because they were so desperate to make ends meet. They could grow them fast in their soils. They took very well. They could get more calories out of them. And they were actually supplying a very large amount of these potatoes for livestock feed. So at the time, the society relied significantly on potatoes. But when that potato went south and something happened to it, the people paid. A million souls died And then another 2 million migrated away. As I said, Ireland still has not recovered back to what it was population-wise over 150 years ago when that event happened. Now, what happens when mankind starts combining climate change, climate issues, and decides that, hey, well, we're not going to stop eating animals But maybe we can do it better and faster and we won't uh, chew up all the land if we just find innovative new ways to raise the animals. Now, you know, and I know, if you're going to be raising animals, if you raise them in tight quarters, stacked on top of each each other, well, the disease rate goes up. And so I want to take a look at this plan in China to build a 26-story pig skyscraper that will output a million animals to slaughter per year. Now, I have nothing wrong with eating meat. Even the Bible tells us we were given dominion over the animals. What I'm questioning is, when mankind is tinkering this way, Instead of letting the animals live on the land, instead of living in concert with the land, instead of having all these restrictions about climate change that nobody can prove but seems to be adopted like a cult, that when there's that alarmism or intervention or -er do-gooderism, are we setting ourselves up for something that's even a much larger catastrophic failure. What I always fall back on are two things. You can go back in the history of the ice sheets, and you can find when we had pollutants or carbon in the air that far supersede anything we've ever had in modern times or the Industrial Revolution. What was that caused from? Forest fires, volcano eruptions, etc. We can find those all over the place. We can find that our planet goes through various cyclical trends back and forth, and we seem to be doing okay. Now, yes, I wouldn't use poisonous products if I didn't have to. I think that's natural. You don't want to overwater. If you can save water, that's natural. But I always look at what they did to our fuel in the United States of America. California issued a law that we had to have unleaded fuel way back when. And they put it in California and it led the way and across the nation. That's why we have so many different levels of gasoline quality. Whereas we found out that the leaded fuel actually didn't harm anything. It didn't make any contribution to global warming. That's a 70-year study now that said it had zero effect. But here's what happened. Our government got addicted to all of the additional taxes from all of the different varieties of fuels. So because of all those great taxes for saving the environment and building things, they've never reverted back. And if they revert it back, our gas prices would drop more than 50%. The moral of the story is they don't want to go back to a cheaper to refine gas, which was just fine because why? Well, they'll lose the tax structure. So now let's think about this in food. China says they're building this pig skyscraper to tackle the country's grow- growing pork demands. No problem. It's going to be a vast 26-story building that's supposedly going to fit 600,000 animals in one building. That's okay, too. However, I do agree with some of the experts that there are Potential disease outbreaks that can happen. Now, being personally in China, I visit China extensively. I can tell you, you know, one, the government owns the livestock, not the people, because they control their food there, as you would expect in a communist country. The pigs they raise in China are something out of a science fiction movie, because they're just like a round block with little bitty legs, and they're all this one uniform size, and they're massive. I'm talking they're the middle linebackers of all pigs. They raise them, they pork them out, and they do it. Well, on their, in their country, they, they love it, right? It's what they consume the most of. And so China has gotten the idea that, okay, we can still be environmentally friendly, If we don't put them out in the land, I think it's more subversive than that. I think they don't want traditional pig farmers like they used to have. The government got control of it. And this is just another way for government to control it. But track with me and see if you you feel the same. Anyway, this is going to be the single largest building pig farm in the world. It's going to be on the southern outskirts of H O E-Z-H-O-E-Z-H-O, right? And they're saying we can be environmentally conscious and we can tackle the need for the country's pork. By the way, half of the world's pork is consumed by China. Half of the world's pork. And so this building, which is about a $557 million building, vertical farm, It's going to have 2.6 million square feet, and they say it's going to be based upon advanced technology. Now, I can see a bit of this. Look, I've farmed and raised animals and have them to feed, and it can be uh, a pain. But they're saying these animals are going to be automatically fed by just pushing a button in a central control room. And one of the ways they're going to be environmentally conscious is pig poop, which is worse than dog poop spoke, but pig poop. They're going to take the pig's waste and they're going to dry it out and they're going to incinerate it to generate heating and power. And you know what? That's a pretty good idea. You know, just like you can burn cow chips or buffalo chips, you can burn pig chips. Okay, so they've already started shipping sows to this farm to, you know, start pumping it up with livestock uh, and taking shipments, getting this skyscraper pumped with its initial breeding stock right if you were to talk to some of the farmers and i read one report of one of the farmers that's going to live close to this skyscraper he says 30 years ago he used to raise pigs and they would have uh, maybe two or three pigs in their backyard pigsty and he could raise them and he could make uh, make money They were ready for sale in a few months, uh, and we took care of them, and that's how we made our money. Now, he pointed out the fact that in his time as a pig farmer, it would take them about a year to raise one to get it to butcher size. What this new building is promising is that it will be butcher size with only a few months, that it might Reduce the time to market weight or butcher weight by 75%. Now, okay, technology can do that, but does technology always help when it does this? Because here's what I see. Now, I do agree this is going to be the trend in the future. Vertical farming is phenomenal, especially when you see it with hydroponic or aquaponic gardens and vegetables. Absolutely fantastic. But I can't see it for pegs. Why? Because of the disease states. This building, part of the single most important investment they're going to have to do is with the workers. They're going to have to undergo high levels of testing and disinfection just to work there. And to prevent escaping of disease, many of these people will have to live on site for extended lengths of time, and then go through a disinfection process before they can go back out into society. Now, they're heralding this as you know, farming intelligence. The farming industry breakthrough. It's going to be highly automatic. It's the intelligent future. It's got standards and it's better for the threshold of performance for pig farmers. And the pigs will produce at a faster rate and gain weight. You know, it's all about gaining weight at a faster rate. But the question is okay, at what price? Here's what I mean there is a distinct concern. Of several things. Diseases escaping this building. Think of it as the worst zombie movie you could ever imagine. In this close quarters, these animals can develop weird diseases that are hybridized or different than they are in the wild. Because of human interaction, These diseases can get out in the wild and affect other animals. But also think about it in reverse. Think about it in the potato famine. What if this 26-story skyscraper of pigs is phenomenally successful in its first one or two years? And it's putting out a million pigs a year. And everything's hunky-dory. Until one day, one weird day, something is tracked into this high-rise that comes from a wild animal and it gets into this high-rise and it will break out a disease amongst these one million animals in confinement like a wildfire. See, The higher the density of animals, the higher the risk of infection pathogens to spread and amplification. And not only amplification, this is an environment for mutation. Think about this for a moment. One grand experiment, all in the name of saving the environment is actually going to take a people's dependence upon pork, mass-centralize it, try to control it great and get better output, as any business should do. But I think the chances, the opportunities for catastrophic failure are too great. Because if something gets into that building, it could trigger an incredible famine across China. My closing comments coming up right after this.
0: Are you following Jovan on all social media? You think this program is good at empowering you? You should get your PhD in cutting the crap by following Jovan Daly on all social media. Just find him by typing hashtag Jovan Hutton Pulitzer. Hang tight. Jovan will be right back.
1: We're back. Here's what scares me about China's pig skyscraper. A few things. When a government tries to control the food market and make sure that they hold food and the power of food over its people, I think the system is ripe for disaster. Yes, if think of our current climate of cancel culture, etc.? Wouldn't liberals be calling for the starving of Republicans if we use certain words or didn't admit that our chickens were trans chickens and they identified as pigs? Think about the control over mankind would have when the government controls the food supply. I'm very worried about the move among investors and banks and big conglomerates to try to control our food supply. And it's been pretty horrible out there. You can find the large seed companies will go over to Asia and find a rice crop that's been nurtured for two or 3,000 years by farmers and is very healthy. And then that company will turn around and find the genetic makeup of that rice crop, patent it, get a patent on it, go back to those farmers and tell them they're no allowed to plant it Anymore. They have to buy the seeds from that company. Food can be a wildly crooked business. Now think about the combination of governments or woke corporations controlling food. Remember, it wasn't too long ago that Mayor Bloomberg in New York City decided you couldn't have a 32 ounce sugary soda. And so they made it where no 32 ounce Cups could be made. Did it change anything? No. The places just gave free refills, or you just bought two 16 ounces and got to the same place. Government impeding, restriction, and controlling never improves a business whatsoever. Combine this when it's critical food supplies. Or the government deciding from an environmental standpoint that they believe that eating meat is bad. Therefore, we're just going to make it where you can't eat a lot of meat. Now, where could this go wrong? Number one, just like I talked about in the last segment, disease escaping out could be harmful to the environment when it's in that controlled laboratory uh, laboratory where you're going to get mutations beyond mutations beyond mutations. The other side of it is when a wild variety of a disease gets in and wipes out that entire building. All of a sudden, people starve. Now let's take it to its worst conclusion. What could its worst conclusion be? Doesn't this set up mankind for eco-terrorism? What if people who didn't want people eating meat decided to blow up that building or blow up that facility? Again, would they justify the end, you know, by blowing it up? Because look, we're just going to get people to eat less meat and we don't care if people starve, people will just get used to having less meat and invariably they'll stop eating meat. Will they justify the means Because of it? Our future, when it comes to food, is very scary. It's one of the things that I often think about in my creative and patented mind of how can we get back to our basics of where a certain amount of our food, if not all of our food, came from ourselves then I realize that's not convenient for most people because they won't take the time to slow down. If they won't take the time to research about politics and they only want the 140-character tweet, and that's how they get their news, do you think most people are going to slow down on their foods to grow it for themselves? And so I have great concerns. If I was to look at our nation from a security risk standpoint, I think our greatest security risk is our food supply. I find it incredulous that neighborhood associations are outlawing home gardens. Why would a neighborhood association want to outlaw you growing your own foods at home if it wasn't just a movement to try to control food? What if the government wants to go to digital money and people uh, push back, but the government gets enough of control on our food supply that you find out, well, we won't take your cash for it. You got to convert it to digital. See, it, it, when, it, when our food is tied into anything, it makes us as society more vulnerable, these are the things that keep me up at night when I think about how can a system, if we really have deep state and a big, bad, horrible cabal wanting to take over everything, how would they do it? How could they do it? And the three things that are at the base of all of it or four things. One is money. If they can control the money differently, that concerns me with digital money. If they can control us getting around Well, they're now talking about vaccine mandates globally. You can't travel. If they can control our fuels and if they can control our foods. That's why I did this, because I'm just inviting you to think about your food situation. Have you ever thought about how would you feed yourself if you didn't have a local grocery store? Have you ever thought about what can you do to make sure your family is fed if the bottom of the system was to fall out? You have health insurance, you have life insurance, car insurance, whatever. What's your food insurance? I'm asking you, in light of the crap, the culture, race, and American politics going on, did you give some serious thought to food your future, your children, your grandchildren, and try to find that way to get less from the system and generate more yourself.
0: Most people are afraid to stand up and speak out, but not you. You've been learning how to tell the system to cut Cut the the crap. crap. What can I do to help save the America I love? And the answer is, learn how to fight back and tell the system